MSW Media. Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for their support. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, February 14th, 2022. Today, Rudy Giuliani is in talks with the 1-6 committee to testify, maybe. Three Senate Republicans are urging the archivist not to certify the Equal Rights Amendment. The National Archives threatened to go to Congress and the Department of Justice to get Donald to hand over his 15 stolen boxes of documents. And a federal judge has ordered the Windsor trucker protesters to stop blocking the Ambassador Bridge. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome back. We missed you, Dana. It's good to be back. And I want to thank to all my Beans listeners. A few of you are in person in New York. A lot of you are live streaming. Hopefully you're still fans after that. Uh, <laughs> and you just got, we got a little dirty. We got a little dirty, but I really appreciate the support. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. That's so awesome. Yeah. David sent me some photos of everything going on from your show and it was awesome. He's such a good guy. He is. Yes. He's so sweet. Very sweet, man. Yeah, gave me a little gift bag that it's funny what we do now these days. But David from Brooklyn, there was a little gift bag and it had two antigen tests, like rapid tests in it, which is just a sweet gift to give someone at this point. You know what I mean? I know, I know. And two incredible books I can't wait to read, but we can talk about that in another podcast. Oh, it's just awesome. And and I'm so glad your show went well. And Thank speaking you. of our incredible listeners, we had one right in a couple of weeks ago asking, how do I know where to give my money? Because, you know, for campaigns, because some people need it more than others. And so I got the best people in the business to answer that question. They'll join me later. It's Stephen Mariah from the How We Win podcast. So we're going to check that out and they'll be able to answer that listener question. And we do have uh, a lot of news from the weekend to get to. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, Rudy Giuliani who, as we know, was the former guy's lawyer, helped lead the effort to overturn the 2020 election. He is now in discussions with the House January 6th committee about responding to its questions, and that's according to three people familiar. The extent of any assistance that Giuliani might provide remains unclear, and the negotiations could easily fall apart, especially as Donald continues to publicly rail against the investigation. But Giuliani, through his lawyer, has signaled to the committee he plans to take a less confrontational stance toward its requests than some other members of Donald's inner circle who are fighting this the subpoena's tooth and nail or have refused to cooperate altogether. Giuliani's discussions with committee officials suggest he may be seeking to avoid a potentially costly legal battle over a subpoena that was issued last month, and they, he wants to do that by engaging with the committee. Giuliani could also make it more difficult for the House to issue criminal referral of him to the Justice Department for contempt of Congress if he, in the end, doesn't comply with the subpoena. Now, should Giuliani ultimately provide the committee with substantive cooperation, it would be a major breakthrough for the investigation. They always say this, by the way. <laughs> I, I should say this is, a, this is a Maggie Haberman joint, this particular story. So I'm going to have my own comments when we're done quoting her. But 
it would be a major breakthrough, obviously. Donald and one of his closest, if most problematic advisors, because Rudy, there's like a there's a little bit of breach between them now. Right. Right. And we know Rudy was instrumental not only in post-election day effort to keep Trump in power, but also the pressure campaign on Ukraine that's being currently criminally investigated in both the Southern District and Eastern District of New York. No, Eastern District of Virginia, Virginia. One person familiar with the matter said that Rudy was still negotiating over whether to give investigators an informal interview or a formal deposition, and that he had not yet determined how much information he might seek to shield from the committee by invoking executive privilege or attorney-client privilege. A committee aide said the panel would not comment on negotiations with witnesses, but the aide said the committee had allowed Rudy, who was scheduled to appear before the panel last Tuesday, to reschedule at his request. The aides say the committee was pressing Giuliani to cooperate fully. However, preliminary, the conversations suggest Rudy is considering taking a vastly different approach than those taken by other close Trump allies. And uh, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> Trump's one-time chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Let's say vastly different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not vastly different. Mark Meadows, we know, has been referred to for criminal contempt. Now, personally, I there's what I think. I think this is a ploy by Rudy, maybe to get Trump to pay his legal bills, to be like, oh, well, if he's gonna, if he's talking to the committee, I'll swoop in and and pay his legal bills, probably with RNC money, but whatever, you know, to get him to not cooperate with right. with the committee. That's what I think's going on, and he's a shit witness. Like Giuliani is, his, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. His testimonies, if nothing else, should be a bit comical. I mean, if he really doesn't take the fifth 500 times, it should yeah, actually he, have some good material for us, that's he, for sure. Uh, yeah, if he shits his face again. His, his face might shit. Melt away. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, three Republican senators. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I have a better transition than others. Are calling an, <laughs> an archivist of the United States, David Ferriero. To commit to not certifying the Equal Rights Amendment as part of the Constitution, as ERA advocates demand Ferriero publish the amendment before he retires. Hmm. Now, in a letter dated February 8th, Senators Rob Portman of Ohio, POS, Hmm. yeah, that's not his initials, he's just a piece of shit, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, also initials POS, and Mitt Romney Hmm. of Utah wrote to Ferriero seeking his, quote, reassurance that he won't act on the ERA until it has been properly ratified and legal questions regarding such ratification have been resolved. Because that's happened so quickly over the decades. <laughs> Backers of the ERA have been pressuring Ferriero, who's set to leave office in April, to publish the ERA as the 28th Amendment to the Constitution as part of his ministerial duties, arguing that it has satisfied all of the necessary constitutional requirements and, in fact, took effect last month. However, Key legal questions remain unresolved, such as whether states can rescind ratifications of an amendment and if Congress has the power to lift a deadline retroactively. And this is a quote, in the light of the calls for you to disregard your duty and certify the ERA, we write to ask for your commitment that you and the acting archivist who will take over in April will not certify or publish the ERA. The Republican senators wrote that to Ferriero arguing that the ERA, quote, has failed to achieve ratification by the states and is no longer pending before them. Mm, Yeah, wrong. Yeah. (laughs) CNN has reached out to the National Archives and Records Administration for comment about the letter, of course, and the archives declined to comment to CNN, of course, on Thursday (laughs) when asked whether Ferriero plans to certify the ERA, citing pending litigation. All three GOP senators sit on the Senate committee 
on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, with Portman as its top Republican, which will consider the nomination of the next archivist and is one of the panels with oversight of the archives. So they have a, a big hand in all this shit. Yeah. Now, the Department of Justice's Office of Legal Counsel also issued a legal opinion under the Trump administration in 2020 that said the deadline to ratify the ERA expired and then the archivist cannot certify it. Because we don't want certain people to have equal rights. <laughs> and a little point here, and I know people know this, if the ERA gets into the Constitution, the argument for women's rights, reproductive rights, goes right out the fucking window. And they know this. There's a big, there's a big thing there. So that's part of it. There's so much more. But the OLC said in a new opinion released ma- last month that its 2020 memo was, quote, not an obstacle either to Congress's ability to act with respect to ratification of the ERA or to judicial consideration of questions regarding the constitutional status of the ERA. End quote. Now, the office did not withdraw the 2020 memo nor instruct the archivist to publish the ERA. Hmm. House Oversight Chairwoman Caroline Maloney a longtime advocate for the ERA also wrote to Ferriero in October urging him to, quote, carry out your statutory duties to certify and publish the ERA without further delay. Mm. And that has always been a point, this uh, pro-life, pro-choice argument. It's so seated in whether or not this were actually to get go through. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really wish that this Department of Justice withdrew that 2020 memo, but it, they did take a big shit on it. So, yeah. you know, that's pretty... That's pretty good. They did basically say, you can't just ignore that memo. We aren't going to rescind it or anything, but you know. (laughs) Just pretend it's not there. Thank you. Just don't read it. Just don't read that one. And over the weekend, we learned more about the 15 boxes of stolen documents that ended up at Mar-a-Lago. Worried that a trove of White House records that had been brought to Mar-a-Lago contained classified material. They did. A top official in the former president's orbit Warned his aides last fall, do not touch these boxes. Also, what Melania says to <laughs> to Donald Trump every night, do not touch this box. <laughs> you can't look at this box. You can't. Don't touch, touch the box. This is need to know basis. Now, the senior official in Trump's inner circle didn't want to risk exposing sensitive materials to aides who may have lacked the appropriate security clearances. And that's according to a person familiar with the matter. Don't go near those boxes. You don't have clearance to look in these boxes that we stole from the motherfucking White House. Okay, the boxes, which were being stored at the time in Trump's Florida club, had landed on the National Archives and Records Administration's radar after officials there noticed several items were missing from the catalog of Trump White House records. In May 2021, the realization that important items from Trump's time in office, including some of his correspondence with Kim Jong-un, remember, I mean, he said, they have love letters. And then when you get all the archives and there's no love letters in there, you're like, well, okay, he is. He's like that teenager who kept the love letters under his bed. <laughs> They're missing. And the infamous Sharpie altered map of Hurricane Dorian were not transferred to the archives at the end of his presidency. And that prompted NARA officials to contact Trump. Longtime archives lawyer Gary Stern first reached out to a person from the White House Counsel's Office who had been designated as the President Records Act point of contact about the record keeping issue hoping to locate the missing shit and initiate their swift transfer back to the archives. That's according to multiple sources. The person had served as one of Trump's impeachment defense attorneys months earlier as deputy counsel and was among the White House officials typically involved in ensuring records were properly preserved during the transfer of power. Now, after an extended back and forth over several months since last May, and multiple steps were taken by Trump's team to resolve the issue, Stern sought the intervention of another Trump attorney last fall, 
at his as his frustration mounted over the pace of the turnover of the documents. Basically, Trump was like, yeah, I'll get him to you and never did. A spokesperson for Donald didn't return requests for comment. <laughs> it's like the infrastructure bill. <laughs> yeah, that's my health care plan. In a statement on Thursday, Trump claimed the boxes had been brought to Mar-a-Lago, contained letters, records, newspapers, magazines, and various articles that are to be featured in his presidential library someday. I <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's uh, the comedy writes sorry, itself. Sorry, I can't. Someday. One source familiar with the situation said the document turnover has not been fully resolved. There's, he's still got shit and says Trump is still in possession of documents that the archives wants back. The archives hinted at this in a statement earlier from the week. They said former President Trump's representatives have informed NARA that they're continuing to search for additional presidential records that belong to the archives. So they didn't get everything back that they asked for. And a series of interviews with CNN, a half a dozen people familiar with the matter, half a dozen, described the tense situation that took eight months to resolve, beginning with NARA's outreach in May and ending with its retrieval of the boxes last month. In the end, it may have been a threat that ended the impasse. At one point, the archives notified a member of Trump's team that it planned to alert Congress and the Department of Justice. If you don't hand your shit over, I'm calling mom and dad, I guess. I don't know why they didn't do that in the first place. That's according to a person familiar with the warning. According to another person familiar with the matter, the archives has since asked the Justice Department to investigate, and it's unclear whether they have started that. So I'm personally a little bit pissed off about this because had I left when I, you know, when Trump removed me from my job, had I left with any top secret Oh documents. my God, you kidding? I would be, we'd be doing this over Zoom behind bars. You would be, I'd, I'd be in my apartment. Yeah, yeah. The FBI, I'd be knocking on my door like the next day. So May, they've been trying to get classified top secret shit back. And now what the FBI has to do, and you know, everybody will note from my, my interview with Peter Strzok yesterday, is that they have to go down to Mar-a-Lago, interview anyone who might've had contact with those boxes because Mar-a-Lago is a target for espionage, there's probably people in there sniff, sniffing around. It wouldn't put it past Russia to to have some people working on the housekeeping staff, you know. So if, if FBI needs to do, if they don't, I'm gonna be so mad at this fucking FBI. <laughs> well, there you have it, FBI. If you're listening, we know you are because we are both on a list. All right, last story for this segment. Hours after a court ordered demonstrators to stop blocking access to the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Protesters were still there late Friday night, but in lesser numbers. Now, police officers were standing by, but had no move to clear the area or demonstrators, which is fucking interesting, because if it was a Black Lives Matter protest, that would have been cleared with tear gas. The injunction from Chief Justice Joffrey, Joffrey Morowitz of the Ontario Superior Court was meant to open a way for traffic to move freely across the bridge, which carries roughly a third of U.S.-Canada trade and which has been blocked for days by protesters. Now, the court ruling, which took effect at 7 p.m., was part of a flurry of legal activity Friday as officials struggled to contain protests that began in Ottawa two weeks ago, when loosely organized groups of truck drivers and others converged on the Capitol to protest vaccination requirements for truckers entering Canada, which is horrifying because somehow our right-wing bullshit made it all the way up there with their Trump flags and the QAnon flags and the Nazi flags. The demonstrations have swelled into a broader battle cry, largely from, as I said, right-wing groups against pandemic restrictions and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's handling of the pandemic. Interesting. Sounds familiar. The protesters have blocked roads leading to the U.S. border at four points. Windsor, Sarnia, Ontario, Emerson, Manitoba, and Coots, Alberta. Mm -hmm. So all of those places. And I hope that I pronounced Coots right. I will hear from a Canadian if I did not. 
Yes. On Friday evening in Windsor, as the hour for the court order to take effect approached, police cars were seen arriving at a staging area near the blockade. Now, the scene resembled a party with fireworks, music, a chorus of, quote, freedom shouts in response to honks. Police officers handed out notices warning that a state of emergency declared by Ontario would take effect at midnight, that protesters who impeded traffic could be fined or sentenced to prison. Now, by 11 p.m., the crowd's numbers had thinned considerably, but there was still a solid knot of protesters blocking access to the bridge. Side streets were blocked off by police vehicles. Now, music was still blaring from a sound system, but the scene was mostly subdued. So automakers, they had been particularly affected by this partial shutdown of the Ambassador Bridge because it links Windsor to Detroit. Now, trucks cross that thousands of times a day, carrying $300 million worth of goods. That's about a third of which are related to the auto industry itself. And the blockades have left car makers short of crucial parts, forcing companies to shut down some plants from Ontario to Alabama, all the way down that area on Friday. Now, the Teamsters Union, which represents about 15,000 long-haul truck drivers in Canada, but generally not the ones protesting, denounced the blockade, which threatens thousands of jobs. And we've seen this. This is a very small group, AG, but it's gotten so out of control because of the national coverage and the mainstream media and all the media in Canada. It's, it's, it's that fringe group. Most of the truckers and the people that belong to the, the, the Teamsters Union, they're, they're vaccinated. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's getting to the point where they're, the only thing they're achieving is hurting other working Americans. Absolutely. It's just fucking bonkers. Yeah. Assholes. And, and they're like, Trudeau hasn't done enough for the pandemic. And then also, I'm not getting a vaccine. Like, fuck you. No. <laughs> I just can't even with these folks. All right. We'll be right back with the hosts of How We Win, and they're going to answer a listener's question. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and today's show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. I love sleep. It's my favorite thing. It's also very important. It's awful having a bad night's sleep. In the past, I've had insomnia. I've tossed and turned. Initially, I thought it was stress, anxiety. But as it turned out, it was also my mattress. I had a mattress made for someone else's sleep preferences and not my own. And that's when I discovered Helix Sleep. You can find a Helix mattress to suit every body type and sleeping style. You just take their online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, and they'll determine a perfect mattress for you for the best night's sleep of your life. You can choose from a wide array of mattresses, soft, medium, firm mattresses, body temperature regulating mattresses, spinal alignment mattresses, and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. Uh, the Helix Midnight was what I was matched with because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. So it's perfect to me. And thanks to Helix, I fall asleep fast, I stay asleep through the night, and I wake up feeling refreshed and alert. As you know, Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine, and leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix to improve your sleep. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps, risk-free. That's over three months. And they have financing options if you need that. So a good night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. So one of our listeners sent in a question. They said, ladies, do you have a recommendation on political donations? I'm bombarded daily with donation requests from individual candidates, party leaders, Brady Pack, Act Blue, etc. I have no idea how to leverage my donations for max impact. P.S. It is infuriating that candidates have to constantly beg and Citizens United may be one of the 
contributors to the demise of our democracy, but it is the reality. So any advice would be appreciated. So I thought, who better to answer this question than longtime organizers and hosts of the How We Win podcast, Mariah Craven and Steve Pearson. Hello, Mariah. Hello, Steve. Hey. Hey. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Love you guys. Love you guys too. And love this question so much. Such a smart one from Evan. Yeah, because we always sit there and decide, you know, try to decide, do I send money to Beto? Do I send it to Stacy? Do I send it to specific candidates who need my money more in more purple swingy districts? Who benefits the most from our money? How can we know that? Where do we get that information? Um, it's a it's it's a big broad question. I and and, and here's and there's probably a few schools of thought. My vote is spend your money locally. Your money in the smaller races, oh my gosh, the impact. The impact is huge. Um, spend your money, I say early and late. Um, early gets these candidates going. It, it gets them coming out of the gate and showing their opponents that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, late money helps with ads, helps with voter contact. Make sure staffers get paid. Uh, some candidates leave literally leave it all out there, and then they can't they can't pay their staff afterwards. Um, and we want to make sure the folks that are that are doing the work uh, can continue to do it and, and get paid for their work. So, um, my vote: local, small races, early and late money. Now, Steve, what if you live in a super blue, extra blue Los Angeles, New York City, where maybe the local races don't really need that much money? Or are you talking more like school boards, water boards, stuff like that? Because those are very important. But some of us who live in really blue areas who aren't too concerned about how our politics shake out want our money to go maybe to a place where they, you know, where it might make a bigger difference. Would you then at that point suggest local, more local elections in in more red states? How does that work out? Yeah, I mean, uh this question, I'm, I'm guessing, is assuming that someone doesn't have limitless funds to plug in everywhere that they want, right? So you have to be strategic with the amount of money that you have to donate. And uh, yeah, you singled me out. I'm here in Los Angeles, and it's very blue. And we certainly have some races that are worth investing in here in Los Angeles locally. I 100% agree with Mariah that you know local is where it's at, especially when you think of like the impact that your money can make on those races. But as we are approaching, once again, the most important election of our lifetime, there are some very pivotal seats and some pivotal um, places where we want to invest money. So, you know, my advice to people who are in these blue, blue areas and are looking outside of their own neighborhoods to invest is, first of all, avoid the shiny things. Maybe stay away from the shiny things. Again, if you have money to invest and you're passionate about um, you know, certain candidates and you just want to give them money or you really, really hate the person who uh, they're running against and you want to give them money, that's fine. Donations. But, sure. but you know, I, I want to talk about three examples. Lincoln Project, super fun, really great viral videos. Uh, they raised 87, over $87 million. Mm. They spent... Almost $82 million of that, meaning that there was about $5, 6000000 million that they paid themselves, right? And those videos 
were great. They're preaching to the choir. We all loved watching them, but they didn't really do anything we know in terms of persuasion, in terms of getting new people out to the polls. Uh, that's what organizers do on the grounds. Those, that money really could have done a lot of good plugging into local organizations and, um, and the campaigns. And then uh, let's talk about our friend who we've had on the podcast, who is amazing, Jamie Harrison, running uh, in South Carolina. He broke records in his Senate campaign, raised over $130 million, a new record for a Senate campaign. He was running ads all over the country nationally because he didn't know what to do with all of that money. And Lindsey Graham won by double digits. Now, he's a great candidate. We should support candidates like that. But at a certain point, you have to look at where that money could be better spent. And the last example that we talked about when we really hate a candidate and we want to raise money against them was all the ditch Mitch money that went into Amy McGrath's campaign. She raised over $90 million for that campaign. And again, I, there's no one, I don't think there's anyone, none of your listeners want Mitch gone more than I do. But, you know, we had some really close calls in, in North Carolina and Texas and um, some local legislative races that would have had a major impact on these redistricting programs and, and the gerrymandering if we had invested, as Mariah said, more locally. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say to really avoid all the shiny things, unless you have money to, you know, to, to go around, be a little bit more strategic. So Mariah, then, even in very blue areas, those local races are very important. So that's, that's really good to know. Is there anywhere somebody can go to see a list of people who need money the most or, uh, you know, candidacies like not shiny or, for example, let's say you really want Marjorie Taylor Greene to lose her seat in a <laughs> plus 30 Republican area or whatever, right. where the money, I mean, you know, send send a couple dollars because you hate her guts, but also it's a it's a not a, likely a, a W for for D's. Right. So is there a place we can go to to look and see? where our money might have the most impact, like maybe the scoring system or, you know, do you know what I mean? Like something that would be so great. Yeah, I I think it's a fantastic idea. And I think that, you know, I would encourage people to think about what's important to them and what they're passionate about if it's not a specific candidate. And you can find, um, you know, the person who sent in the question mentioned Brady Pack. So if common sense gun legislation is is your jam, then looking at Brady Pack and who they're supporting, like they're doing all the work for you. They're vetting, you know, I'm a huge fan of Emily's list because I want to see more women elected, higher heights. I want to see more black women elected, bold pack. We can get more Hispanic leaders elected. Um, So looking at these organizations or donating to them because then they uh, can spread um, the, the funds out and give them to the candidates when they're most needed because they have um, professionals that are kind of in touch and supporting all of the different campaigns across the country. They can really guide your uh, your donations. And listen, we talk about this all the time on the pod on the How We Win podcast. Whether we're talking about giving your your time, your treasure, or your your passion, you know, all of this is important to you, and it takes a lot out of you. And so, you should be cautious about where you're spending either your your money or your volunteering time. And 
giving a, you know, a little bit to a candidate just makes such a big difference. If you're able to give $5 a month, a monthly recurring donation to a candidate or an organization really is really helpful. This grassroots donor stuff that that a lot of um, progressives tout, it's the real deal. And I've seen the back end of it where I see people in a community and because I, I work with a lot of candidates, I see who's donating to them and how much they're donating. There are people in your community who are giving, you know, $5 to a month to 10 different campaigns because they feel that that's important. And I know some of those people don't have a lot, but it's important to them and it makes a difference and it's appreciated. Yeah. And there's also other ways too. Uh, I remember in 2020 and 2018, Mm Mm-hmm. that really helped sort of guide if you had to the time, your valuable time that you wanted mm-hmm. to donate with with postcards or letter writing or text banking or phone banking. I think that they they all sort of help because they know, you know, they know exactly. where they, where things are needed. So we don't have to figure that out. So I really love the idea of picking your your passion mm-hmm. and finding that organization who does all that inside max impact dollar work and time work max impact for your time for you so that you don't have to try to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And, and I want to pitch another really innovative and awesome fundraising uh, product uh, from our old besties at Swing Left. And this isn't just because I'm a former Swing Left staffer that I'm touting this, but they've got something called Blueprint. And I'm going to say the website. You can add it to the show notes if you like. It's blueprint.swingleft.org. And what they've done, which is really great, is... All of what we're talking about right now, the strategy, who needs the money, who needs the resources, who's at a shortfall, where are the races the closest, where are the organizations on the ground, you know, not just candidates, but orgs on the ground that need money and support. They look at it like a portfolio. So they do the research on, on where that money needs to go. And then your donation is spreading across those priorities. You get updates, just like you would if you were investing in stocks, quarterly updates on what what the impact of those donations are and uh, and then they change too they're not just you know fixed if if there's a need from a candidate who has a shortfall or if another race suddenly gets closer then they can shift the resources there so it's really really cool i recommend people check it out because it's a great way to solve the problem that we're talking about really is you know where is my money going to be the most strategic when there's all these great organizations and candidates out there and and what was that website again? It is blueprint.swingleft.org. All right. So blueprint.swingleft.org. Also listen to the How We Win podcast for all kinds of important and useful information. And as Mariah said, local races, pay very close attention to support and donate your time and, and money when you can to your local races, no matter how blue your town is. And, and then, of course, just... I guess avoid the shiny objects, like you said, I think is the best way to put it, yeah. uh, because they just had more money than they knew what to do with. Yeah. And you, we talked about that, too, in previous in previous interviews where where Amy McGrath was just so flush with cash. There was n- nothing else. She had been saturated, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that those are really, really great pieces of advice. And, and I hope everybody takes a listen to how we win. Is there any any final thoughts either of you would like to share? 
I, I'll just say, um, again, with the shiny object thing, we recently had Senator uh, Whitehouse on and he dissected the quote unquote problems with Democrats really, you know, really succinctly and saying that we just jump from outrage to outrage and and for good reason, because there's a lot to be outraged about. But we need to be strategic if we're going to win and we need to be strategic if we're going to win long term, not just every battle that's in front of us. So, you know, let's be strategic about where we spend money, how we fundraise and um, and be as organized as uh, as the Republicans are, because they're pretty fucking organized. Hmm. Mariah, any final thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Thank you to everyone out there who's who's giving. That's nicer. <laughs> it's nicer <laughs> yeah, than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it is Valentine's awesome. Day. We love everyone today and every day. <laughs> yeah, everybody check out that um, Senator Whitehouse episode too. And you can get How We Win wherever you get your podcasts. Also uh, a member of MSW Media and a partner. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time today, Mariah, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This episode of Daily Beans is made possible by Athletic Greens, a health and wellness company providing simple daily nutrition. Easy habit to pick up. It's delicious. I drink it every morning before I go to the gym. And this is uh, it's a scoop of AG1 in some water, and it takes care of all the gaps in my diet. Because, you know, I'm paleo and I intermittently fast, so I have gaps in my, in my nutrition. And this fills them all. And it takes the place of a bunch of different products because it's got 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, probiotics are included, and a greens superfood blend, and more. So my day is more productive and focused when I use AG1. Uh, again, I drink it right before I go to the gym in the morning. In addition to being tasty and healthy, it contains high-quality bioavailable ingredients that can replace those multiple products I was talking about. So it's convenient, and it fits keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and vegan lifestyles. I'm paleo and it's perfect. AG1 has less than one gram of sugar. They don't have any GMOs in there. No chemicals. Definitely no artificial anything. No artificial ingredients at all. And it's delicious. I love it. The thing I like most, though, is Athletic Greens updates their product as research changes. It's continuously improved. AG1 uh, has constant improvements based on the latest research and science. It has netted 53 improvements in the past decade and counting. So I highly recommend you give it a try. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free immune-supporting one-year supply of vitamin D, one-year supply, and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, It's the Monday Good News Dump, and I love it so much. That's my new song. La, 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 la. Happy Valentine's Day. To you too, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you have anything you want to send, your Valentine's Day surprises, cats wearing hearts on their heads, that would be great. Uh, any whoopee stories, confessions, corrections, what the mutt, find the cat. You can send it all to us. I've loved all of these so much. I know, me too. You just go ahead to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And uh, by the way... The pet tax and other pictures in the good news are available to patrons and Supercast subscribers. So that's how you get to see those. And you can do that for three bucks a month. And we've gotten an outpouring of support in recent weeks because we left Spotify. So thank you. 
to all of our patrons. But this is still a free pod. If you if you can't swing it, you can listen to it for free wherever you get your podcasts, except Spotify. Now, I'm going to kick us off, Dana, with a, a submission from Autumn. <laughs> Please do, Allison. Pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I wanted to share my craft pocket shawls. Ooh. I've been making them in my spare time for nearly two years. They're still so popular. Love the show. Keep on keeping on. Look at this. You like my shawl? It's got pockets. Do, 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 do pockets. Do, do. I love pockets. I'm going to do the next one too. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Oh, hard Charlie. Cuteness. Ben, pronounce he and him. This is just pure, unadulterated, shameless pet text. Give it to us, Ben. We have a new puppy. Yes, you Charlie. do. Charlie. Charlie the Shih Tzu Yorkie joined our family on Saturday. He's settling in very well so far. His canine sisters are still getting used to him, but beginning to come around. The humans of the house are totally in love. I can smell this puppy How breath. How could you not through the screen? Be look at that second picture. Oh my god! Oh my god! Look at the tiny tennis ball. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness, Charlie. Good oh, thank you. I love unadulterated puppy pics. Keep doing it. Keep giving it Same. to us. All right, this is from Melissa, pronounced she and her. This craft in the photo below was given to me as a Christmas gift that was made by a friend's mom for this past Christmas. She did one previously for someone else she knows uh, who was undergoing cancer treatments. Now, my friend chose the colors and squares. Also, I have one treatment left, and I haven't missed one treatment session. Mm. It's been hard times past these five months, but the end is in sight, and we are all thinking about you, Melissa. I'm so sorry. Yep. Hang in there. Yes. Keep fighting. Keep fighting and surviving. You're a badass. Absolutely. You're a badass for not missing any of those. That's tough. That's a tough slog. This is a beautiful quilt, by the way. It is indeed. This is just, I love the wavy lines. You know what I mean? I do. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you for that submission. Next up from Barb, she, her. You've asked to see some of your listeners' creative outlets. It's all creative Monday. I love this. So I thought I would share what keeps my fingers busy when they're not tapping on the keyboard. I'm a knitter and a thread artist. <laughs> I'll never be able to make that submission. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Embroidery, cross-stitch, needlepoint, etc. But I'm mostly a knitter. <laughs> my grandmother taught me to knit when I was about eight. That's awesome. And since I'm now 58, I've been knitting for quite a few years. My secret superpower is that I can knit without looking. Ooh. I can knit without looking at what my hands are doing. After 50 years of the same movement, I guess my hands and fingers have that knitting muscle memory figured out. I've attached two photos of my work, a lacework knitted shawl that I knitted for my son's bride, and a photo of the partially finished Icelandic sweater I'm knitting for my partner. I started this sweater about a week ago, and I promise I'll send a photo when it's finished. It will look more impressive when the yoke is done. Thanks to all of the Beans Queens for all you do. I've been a listener since the kitchen days, and I swear your podcasts and knitting have kept me sane. Oh, that's a lovely sweater. This is awesome. Barb, this is really cool. I have so much... Uh, respect for people that can make sweaters and stuff like this, knitting. Because, I mean, there's the arms and there's a neck hole and there's another place that you have to connect things. It just seems very involved. And this is a beautiful pattern already. I can't wait to see the finished product. That bride is... Wow, look at that. That's beautiful. That's That's, amazing. Look at the pattern. That's stunning. It is. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wonderful. Thank you for sending that in so much, Barb. By the way, your other namesake, Barb McQuaid, and of course, Joyce Vance is a, is a huge knitter and she has silky That's chickens, awesome. which is a great combo. So you should follow Joyce Vance, Barb, if you're not already. Very nice. All right. This is from Amy, pronoun she and her. Hello, ladies of the legumes. Thank you for your hard work to bring truth to light. My son and I got to meet John Fetterman 
at an event in Ruby Red Ooh. in Keene County, Pennsylvania. It was so exciting. He's exactly what our Commonwealth needs. Now I've been a knitter for decades. I made this hat for my dear friend, Marty, who is our current Democratic Committee chairwoman. The pattern is free on Ravelry, and it's called Fuck, the Exasperation Hat by Pam Gabriel. <laughs> and the hat says, fuck, 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 fuck. It's awesome. Finally, for pet tax, I submit Dot. She was born on February 8th, but I saved her for when Dana would be back with you. You're so sweet, Amy. Oh. Thank you for everything. I truly appreciate all you do. There's the hat. Fuck, 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 fuck. And look at the baby. Oh. Lammy. Oh. oh, my goodness. I love that she saved the Lammy baby until you got back. I know, Amy. Thank baby. you. Oh, look at Fetterman. He is a specimen of a human being. That's yeah, it's a, that's, a, that's a big dude. He is a big <laughs> dude, and I love it. I want to see him get some shit done. That would be great. That would be great. Wow, what wonderful submissions. Thank you so much for sending in the stuff that you guys are creating. I absolutely love, I love this kind of thing. Um, also, really big fan of your Whoopi stories. So send those in. 100%. And um, gosh, anything else you want to send in, you could do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana. Yes. I would love to hear your final thoughts. I do have some final thoughts and I, I don't want this to be a somber uh, ending, but I do want it to be a... Um... Uh, celebration of life. This is the four-year anniversary of the Stoneman Dudless shooting. And I know um, we have friends of the podcast who were, you know, affected by this. And so I just, I am sending out my deepest thoughts and love and support to all of the students that were affected by that shooting, all of their families. And and we as a country, you know, that was a, a horrifying day four years ago on Valentine's Day. So we are keeping all of you in our hearts. And I am thinking about uh, those that are that are somehow connected to everyone listening to this, which is everyone, which is everyone. So yeah. those are my final thoughts for today. Thank you so much, Dana. Um, and yeah, we definitely sending out loves and good vibes. And um, that's a, it's an important anniversary. Yeah. And it's important that we remember and Absolutely. we don't normalize that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, so, I do. I do. Thank you. And so thank you for bringing that up. Happy, uh, happy Valentine's Day to you, my dear, and to all of the people out there, no matter what kind of love you have in your life, it doesn't have to be romantic love. Mm. Just celebrate the day. In fact, do it every other day too. Fuck it. Yep. Yep. Call everyone you know and tell them you love them. Make it awkward. And yeah, do really weird. Make it weird. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's a great thing to do. And yeah, do it every, every day. Every day. Well, I mean, that would be a lot of work. Yeah. But you know, periodically, not just on February 14th. <laughs> I know exactly. I'm one of those. I love you people. I like too. I actually have a friend who's it's funny because in a lot of the time and at least this is my experience with her. She is half Asian, half Jewish. And in the Asian part of her heritage, they're not as effusive with emotions and with things like that. And so whenever we leave each other, I go, I love you and you love me too. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Just to remind you. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Just acknowledging your love for me that you have. Yep. Definitely have. Awesome. Well, everybody, please, until tomorrow, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.